Disney's 8.6 billion buyout of Comcast's Hulu share has begun. Former Hulu chief Jason Keeler laid out his plan for streaming success. But can Disney achieve it once the Comcast deal is done? Listen on to find out. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and Colin Dixon from End Screen Media is with us and uh, back from a short trip, it sounds like. Colin, how's everything going? It's great, Will. Yes, I was in Texas Yes, uh, last week and it was warm and moist. <laughs> Not used to that humidity for uh, here in California. We really don't have much humidity. So, uh, but yeah, I'm back in town. Great. Well, we have a bunch of things we're going to talk about on today's podcast, but we have a couple of uh, news items, a couple of items that hit our radar, and they are both connected TV advertising related, and I am uh, going to get us started. I um, was intrigued by an article that I saw this week about a new series that Vizio and Home Depot launched, a branded shoppable holiday uh, series that features the former American Idol contestant Jordan Sparks, who many of our listeners will probably know. So what intrigues me about what they're doing is that it's uh, very much in line with the idea of connected TV being used as a full funnel type of uh, channel. So the idea is that there are several 10-minute episodes and some shorter videos all about holiday home decoration and DIY projects that Jordan Sparks is hosting that all feature Home Depot uh, pro products that are available at Home Depot. And within each video, the products can be seen on the TV screen by scanning a QR code. And it then takes the viewer directly to a, a quote, shop the look page on homedepot.com where the shopping can actually occur. So uh, I, I thought that that is a, um, you know, again, consist that's consistent, that effort is consistent with what we've seen elsewhere with QR codes being implemented and is also something that Vizio has done. They did this earlier this year with a uh, series that they created with BetMGM for food and entertainment tips. And um, these videos, short videos, we featured on Vizio's home screen. So all Vizio, I think there are now about 18 million or so screens in the U.S. would be exposed to this campaign. So I, I thought it made a lot of sense. I haven't actually seen it myself, but I thought the campaign idea made a lot of sense. And I'm, uh, I think this is the kind of thing that we're going to be seeing more of going forward. Yeah, I do too, Will. Branded advertising or you know, branded shows I think are a great concept. They've worked really well on traditional TV, and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't work well here. And I've seen them done extremely well. So I've seen I've seen branded shows on, on services like Curiosity Stream as well. And they can be really, really engaging, and I see absolutely no reason why Vizio shouldn't lean into this. They've got branded content studios, which is I think which uh, this is the studio that produced this Merry and Bright series. Yep. And uh, yeah, Home Depot is a great 
a great partner for this. So I think it'll probably appear in Vizio's Watch Free Plus free service, which is on all Vizio TVs. And I'm sure that they'll be pushing it pretty hard in the interface. They have done that in the past. They put they they use the hero bar right at the top of the screen. Yep. And it's almost impossible to miss. And I got to tell you, I'll probably check them out. They look like they'll be fun and maybe they'll spill, there'll be some interesting ideas for, for me to, to try out during the holidays. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I should have mentioned that this is a part of an initiative that Vizio launched earlier this year, their own branded content studio. So to be you know, sure, Vizio is going to be launching many more of these types of campaigns with, uh, with, its, with its brand partners. That's right. That's right. And uh, sort of related to that, if you're a Fire TV user, uh, get ready because you're about to see a lot more ads in the interface. Amazon published uh, on its on its blog it said it's going to be adding a lot of advertising into that interface. And what's really different here will is the advertising it's planning on avatar uh, on adding is not related to video directly. And and in fact they're going to be taking for example one area that they're going to be doing this in is this hero bar this this big ad at the top of the of the screen which as i say has traditionally been used to push movies and and shows and channels and stuff well they're not going to be doing that with this they're actually going to be pushing products and it looks like those products could well be related to searches that you make on amazon for products so if you were looking for a new pc for example on your on your from your browser on Amazon on your PC, you may well turn on your Fire TV and there's an ad right there on that hero bar for the, for, for that PC. And it doesn't look like they're stopping there either. They're going to they're gonna stick ads in the carousels. Those are the things, the bars of content that are grouped by genre often. They're going to be putting ads in those and allowing people to buy, say, um, an ad in the horror channel on the in, in the horror bar, uh, and again, you know, this could be product related. It's absolutely no guarantee that it will be video related at all. And they're even going to be using this in search. So if you do a search, uh, let's say you search on horror, they may well come back with uh, that same ad that they would have put in the hero bar. In excuse me, in the carousel. They may give you that ad there as well. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, Will. It's like you buy something to watch streaming TV and and you pay good money for it. And now you're getting advertised through it. But I guess, you know, they've been kind of doing that with the Kindles, right? They give you a lower price on the Kindle and you can buy out of the ads. Maybe they'll let you buy out of the ads on the Fire t- in Fire TV. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you know how you feel about this, Colin. Um, you feel like it's uh, it's one too many bites of of the apple. If I can put uh, words in your in your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. I you know, I feel like um, I I kind of uncomfortable with all this advertising that pursues you all over the place, and I'm very careful about where I do searches now. And it kind of makes me feel good that I don't spend a lot with Amazon anymore because I do not want to be pursued by ads into my TV experience. So actually, I'm really interested if you're listening to this, why don't you 
log on to Will or my site and leave a comment or send us an email and let us know what you think about this. If you're a Fire TV user, how are you going to feel about these ads pursuing you? Yeah, and and might you, as you just raised, would some type of a buyout of the ads be appealing to you as a model? I mean, in some senses, that's what we already see with the streaming services as they've launched the ad-supported tiers, is that the ad-free tier is essentially a buyout of, of the ad experience. Yeah, Amazon is going to do that, of course, uh, starting next year. You're gonna, they're going to start inserting ads into all Prime videos, and you can buy out of those by paying two ninety nine yeah. a month. So yeah. maybe they'll maybe they'll make it five dollars a month, and you won't see any ads in Fire TV at all. But uh, right. I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> well, in that spirit, isn't it? I don't know. Do you believe that it's all just too? appealing to Amazon, the, you know, audience size that they have, the scale of their com- e-commerce operation to not be pursuing ads in every possible place just seems, for me, it just seems like it's too appealing an opportunity for them now. Absolutely, Will. Absolutely. I mean, uh, why not give it a try? But uh, yeah. maybe if they see pushback from consumers, maybe if they see people stopping to buy or avoiding Fire TV devices, going and going out and buying a Roku or something based on Google, maybe maybe they'll back off and, and not do that. But uh, I don't know. I think they'll try it. And if, if it works and they get away with it and they sell more stuff, then there'll be more. They'll push more into it. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what, what it looks like. Luckily, I've got a couple of Fire TV devices on, on which I can test this. So maybe I'll come back and let you know what it looks like when they start showing up. Yeah, and I'll take a look as well. So let's, um, Colin, why don't we transition to our couple of main stories this week. And big thing uh, that no doubt everybody, all of our listeners saw was the process of Hulu's buyout, uh, the buyout of Hulu by Disney having officially started. So listeners will remember that there's, there has been an agreement in place between Disney and Comcast where Comcast could essentially force uh, Disney to acquire its 33% stake in, in kind of what was a, considered a floor valuation or a minimum valuation of Hulu of $27.5 billion. So the two companies have now agreed that Disney will start that buyout. It'll be for eight. $0.6 billion, um, slightly discounted from a third because there were some payments that Comcast has not been uh, making uh, recently that are deducted off the top. But it'll be $8.6 billion. That's going to happen by December 1st. And the other agreement is that there's a process of valuing Hulu. So the floor, the minimum value is $27.5 billion, but the valuation process will determine how much value there is above the $27.5 billion. And that is going to be, is kicking off as well. So the full resolution of Hulu's ownership is not yet determined, but, um, you know, the amount is not yet determined, but the end result is, which is that Disney will end up owning all of Hulu and really kind of marking the end of a long saga of Hulu's ownership, which has gone through a number of different iterations as there's been mergers and acquisitions in the larger industry among Hulu's parents, uh, parent companies. So this is a big step in Hulu's evolution. And um, I think we've talked about this before, but Disney, it's also a big step for Disney as well, where they're, you know, really 
embracing Hulu as the main component of their uh, streaming um, strategy, their their direct consumer streaming strategy, and Hulu is going to become the main vehicle for Disney to be able to appeal to a, a broad audience. And you know, clearly, that's very significant. I think it's, I personally, I think it's a smart move. I think Disney is has the resources to do this, and Hulu is a very strong brand in the industry, well-known. I don't know if, you know, I can't say specifically what the satisfaction kind of scores are for Hulu, but it's certainly been around for a long time. One of the originals, it's, I think, had about 49 million paid subscribers uh, as the last time Disney reported. So it's a big, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the main uh, highly scaled streaming assets out there, and now Disney will own all of it. Yeah, it makes me wonder what they what they're going to do with it too. Um, certainly, Hulu is their lead lead service here in the US. Or, although I think uh, Disney Plus has around about the same subscribers, maybe maybe a few less. Maybe the plan here is to combine the two, uh, and so you literally can't buy Disney Plus on your on the own on your own anymore. Um, they certainly they certainly need to do something to get b- both of those growing again because they've sort of stuck at where they are, uh, and, and this actually puts me in mind of something I read talking of Hulu, of course. Uh, Jason Keeler, who used to run Hulu, uh, did a fine job in corralling that JV of of three of the four top broadcasters. He wrote a piece for Variety last week, which was really talking about how folks like Disney get to Netflix scale. Because, as he rightly points out, Netflix is the only SVOD service that's really throwing off a lot of cash and and continues to grow cash extremely effectively. And uh, one of the things that he, he said was that the other services out there really don't have the content flow and library size to compete effectively. So I think maybe Disney combining Disney Plus and Hulu into a single product, re- really a single product, not just a bundle, that might help quite a lot because Disney Plus has a very, very thin library. It has actually one of the smallest libraries of the top, you know, 10 services, I think, Will. Uh, maybe maybe Apple TVs is a little bit smaller, but Disney's, Disney Plus is a pretty small library. And the data I've seen shows that people actually don't spend, they value it highly, but they don't spend a lot of time with Disney, Disney Plus each week, much, much less than they do with Hulu and with Netflix. So maybe that would be the smart thing to do there, uh, as as Mr. Keeler, Keeler suggests. Um, but the, the problem is, and this goes back to your first news item, Will, and this is the fact that uh, NBCU now, Comcast, is withdrawing completely from Hulu. It will sell it, and I have no doubt pull back any remaining content that was on Hulu. The problem for Disney now is that it has raised prices and continues to raise prices, particularly for ad-free viewing, and cut content. And this is not the direction that Netflix is doing. They, Netflix stated very, very clearly in their last quarterly earnings 
that they felt that 17 billion was an appropriate amount to be paying to be in the position that they are in in the industry. So cutting content spend and raising prices, which is what Disney is doing, even if it combines Disney Plus and Hulu Plus and Hulu, given that it's losing all of the NBC content, I think could be a real problem for the combined service or the separate services. Uh, because, I mean, I was looking at data that was showing that a lot of Peacock viewing is for its television content. So it seems like it was a very smart move to start to move that back to Peacock. Uh, which necessarily means if it was very interesting, which necessarily means for Hulu subscribers, they'll miss its absence. So I don't know, this this issue of getting to scale and getting to profitability and, and throwing off what Mr. Keeler calls attractive cash flows, it's going to be tough for Disney uh, in the situation, even, even with full ownership of Hulu and combining Disney Plus and Hulu, unless they're willing to continue to invest a lot of money in the content. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I think those are all absolutely valid points. And I thought uh, Kyler's, um, uh, you know, target or, you know, analysis of scale as being sort of the key to ultimate success in streaming was right on the money. I, I thought it made a huge amount of sense. And, and Netflix's success is certainly the proof point of that. Whether anybody else can replicate that success is the key question. And I think that's what you're raising is, is there is there a path for Disney to do this even with the Hulu assets? And, um, you know, there's a certain concept of first mover advantage that Netflix really exploited and has done, has executed very, very well on. And, you know, it's had its periodic stumbles along the way, but overall it's been a very well-managed business and everybody else is kind of chasing in their, has been and continues to be chasing in their shadow. And, yep. You know, not clear whether anybody else can, you know, as you're saying, can replicate that playbook, which is what he's, I think, in some ways really advocating for. Yeah. And I, I want to be actually, I'd like to just clarify here. I think there are, there are two types of services, not two, there's probably more than two, but in, in amongst the top services, they're really seeking to be everything services, right? You go in there to watch a variety of different content. And the game is about getting you in and keeping you in there to watch for, for a significant length of time, particularly if you're watching ads. That's what that's what the game is all about. And to make that business work, uh, that then then Keeler's points are well taken, that you have to have size, you have to be in a lot of households, um, and you probably are investing quite a lot in a continuous flow of content. So there's certainly that approach, but that's not certainly not the only way of being successful in the business. So I'm, you know, I mentioned Curiosity Stream. I think there's room for smaller services like Curiosity Stream, BritBox, uh, etc., to make decent livings in in this universe as well with much smaller numbers of subscribers. Um, but, you know, they're not in the same business, right? They're not seeking to be 
the everything service, the service that you go into on a daily basis. They're the one that you go into once or twice a week to catch a show that you've been watching or something that they have new that you're interested in. Um, and they're, they're quite different businesses. Um, and given that one of the objectives of folks like Disney and NBCU is to find a way forward in streaming to replace the cash that they are clearly losing now from traditional pay TV. Um, to do that, they have to move into this same position as Netflix, where their daily services, where people are coming in and using those services yeah. every day and spending significant lengths of time watching so that those who are seeing ads generate appropriate amounts of, of revenue. Um, and, you know, you, to do that requires scale. You need to be in more homes than they're in today. And you need to have long viewing times. People need to be spending an hour, two hours a day in that service to, you know, generate the ad revenue and cement them as recurring viewers. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You know, people are just, if there's nothing to watch, people are just going to shut it off and come back when there is. So, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a interesting business. I don't know. I don't know if Disney taking full control of Hulu and combining with Disney Plus, unless they're willing to continue to invest in a lot of content and a continuous stream of content, I don't know if that gets it done. Will. Yep, uh, all fair points, Colin, and um, you know that's one of the reasons why this Hulu acquisition is so significant because it really is. It feels like, in some ways, Disney's kind of final throw at figuring out whether it's going to break out as one of these sort of must-have daily viewed services that you describe, um, if that's possible to do or, or not. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what other, you know, plan Bs there are at this point. It's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting equation. And of course we haven't even mentioned ESPN, which, uh, Disney is actively looking for partners to invest in with them, Clearly, it believes that they have to continue invest to invest more content, more cash in ESPN to make it successful in the D2C world. And they're now committed to launching a full version of ESPN, not just ESPN Plus. Um, they're now committed to doing that. And, uh, the, you know, they're spending a lot on content. I think they spent, well, they say they were going to spend a little bit less than last year. Last year, they spent $30 billion. Uh, but a lot of that is going to pay for sports fees, to pay for sports licenses. So, you know, this is a complicated equation for Disney. And I, I just don't see how they're going to get to the scale either with Hulu plus Disney plus or with ESPN that they had in the traditional pay TV world and start to earn the amount of money that they did before. It's uh, difficult. It's, it certainly require a lot more investment and a lot more patience than they seem willing to give at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that might be a good place to leave this discussion, uh, recognizing that there's a new phase that's uh, starting now and that we're going to want to pay a lot of attention to going forward to see what how this thing really unfolds, this story. 
I think so. And, you know, it's a continuing story. They're raising prices. Disney is raising prices again. Uh, they're just, I just got notified that the cost of the bundle, Disney bundle that I'm on is going up and it's got me thinking about dropping the whole shebang. We'll have to see if I've still got it in the new year. But uh, I think you're probably right, Will. I think we've probably talked about this enough for this week. Fair enough. Well, good chatting, Colin. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.